Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the No Normal Show, brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, and boring in the dust and celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I'm your co-host, Esri Duncan, Vice President of Health Equity and Inclusion at Revive, and I'm joined by co-host Stephanie Weirwill, SVP of Integrated Marketing. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, Des. How's it going? Well, you know, could be better, but we're all good. We're all good. <laughs> we're, here. we're here. That's all that matters. <laughs> and we're excited to welcome our guest, Tyler Lowry, marketing technologist and just enthusiast about all things technology here at Revive. Hi, Tyler, and welcome. Hi, Des. Uh, excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to ch- chat with you because we're looking at, you know, all things bold and we're looking at bold and technology. Uh, and on this week's episode, we'll be discussing all things chat GPT. We've been hearing about it on the news and it's in all the headlines and folks are chatting about it. They're using it. Uh, you've been seeing some ads um, that have been using some of this technology. So we're here to discuss the ins and outs of it and how this technology affects us as marketers. Uh, so Tyler, we definitely asked you here just to kind of give us a lowdown of what exactly is this this chat gpt this generative ai like the what just give us the lowdown yeah um we've definitely been seeing this in the google searches it's been blowing up recently um seemingly every search result you look at today um and at least the last couple of weeks has been all about uh, chat gpt so basically what is it who created it um you know it's created by a company called OpenAI. they're out of san francisco uh, they started in 2015. Um, Chat GPT. GPT stands for Gener- Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. So basically, it's an artificial intelligence model that they created. Um, they released to us mere mortals uh, for us to try out on the internet and, and play around with. Um, they've created several different um, AI bots in the past. This one's kind of the latest one created in November of last year. Um, and basically, what it is is it's a um, it's an artificial intelligence that is designed to interact with us. Um, you know, we're we're it's designed to learn and understand what our inputs are. It's um, you know the idea is to make it possible for it to be able to answer all the questions that we possibly have. Um, it's our artificial intelligence um, that uses supervised and reinforced learning. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, that means it's not just a yes or no uh, scenario when you when you input information to it. Um, it really learns and understands some of those nuanced little things, um, so it can do things like uh, pass the pass the bar exam, or uh, as we've seen recently in a couple of different articles, um, pass different tests like the MBA. So very interesting. But has it been passing those tests? Um, it, it it did. Um, not by a stellar mark, but it did so far, according to some several recent articles. With with a C minus D plus, right? <laughs> so I think I think the university side of it's really really interesting. Um, you know, people have been using it to write college entry essays. Professors have been seeing, can it pass my final exams? Can it write a you know AP English? paper and yes, but there are factual errors. 
the writing quality is often not so great. But yes, it passes. It does. It barely. So, so yeah, that's some of the stuff we'll get into. It's like, this is exciting technology, but of course, you know, there's nuances around it of its capabilities um, and some of the information that's fed to it. Uh, so, so Tyler, tell us, what have you seen um, around this technology being used for healthcare? Uh, so, so far, uh, I guess the biggest and, and, and biggest news so far that we've seen is it did pass uh, the, the exam, to be, the licensing exam to become a doctor. Uh, again, as Stephanie said, it may not have passed with flying colors, but it did successfully pass. Um, we are seeing that, uh, you know, that kind of opens a can of worms or a Pandora's box, if you will, to kind of the next questions that come, uh, arise with that. Um, things that we're wondering about with this is, okay, will we see virtual care fundamentally change in the future? Uh, will we see things like shortenings time for medical research? Um, so far, it's kind of very tertiary and very high level um, in just kind of the basics of what it does. But, you know, as you'd imagine, some of the things that, um, you know, how it's currently being used, it's, it's uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it, I, I love the idea of it being able to... Um personalize some things and maybe speed up the flow of, you know, how much information is uh, captured uh, around you as a patient so that it's when you're doing maybe that virtual visit, it can, um, yeah, can help with that um, some more accuracy. Uh, But of course, you know, there's, there's HIPAA, there's privacy. So I'm I'm wondering how are we going to get around that and, and how that connects to the data? Yeah, um, that's the big one. That's a big thing. I mean, you know, we take a look at ChatGPT and, and fundamentally it's it's built on data. So health systems, of for, first and foremost, have huge amounts of data that something like a ChatGPT could leverage. But again, to your exact point, as it brings up the question, you know, at what point do we need to take a look at HIPAA laws and understand if we're going to be inputting this much information in such mass quantities so that we can power things like a chat, like a ChatGPT to really make those life, um, you know, life changing or life benefit or societal beneficial um, type things, you know, what are those questions we need to answer? Um, you know, we take a look at ChatGPT and one of the future ideas they possibly can be used for, which I think, which I'm very encouraged about is the ability to speed up research, um, be able to take a look and potentially, um, you know, what if you could use the ChatGPT to, to crunch the, the information of, of hundreds of different patient trials to speed up this, you know, the time by which you can, you know, find a cancer drug solution, or take a look and 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 figure out what a end to Alzheimer's could look like, because you've you've used artificial intelligence to really take a look at hundreds of hours and days and years of different types of research. So, um, with that comes the, obviously the responsibility of how you manage that data. So it's it's still to be um, it's still out there, but to your exact point, HIPAA privacy those are all really big things that need to be. Um, you know, questioned and, and wondered about and potentially changed and augmented. Just, you know, so. so, yeah, we've been focusing on the, the clinical side with that um, around healthcare and the, the usage of this, this kind of technology. Uh, but as marketers, what are some things that we can look for when thinking about this uh, chat GPT as well as other AI products and availability of tech Stephanie, I know this is your your uh, wheelhouse. We talk a, a lot about it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's it's a hot topic right now. It's all over the marketing trade pub headlines. LinkedIn's a buzz about ChatGPT. There's sort of the lovers and the haters, right? There's the ones that are like, 
maybe I'm on the side of the lovers. I'm really excited about the opportunity, <laughs> but I also recognize, you know, there's, there's some fear out there. It's like, whoa, what is this going to do to our industry? And, and I don't think it's too much of a hot take to say just like all industries, it will absolutely upend the, uh, the marketing industry in some way. Maybe not this specific iteration or version of it, but as it progresses. So what does that mean? Well, well, first of all, I asked ChatGPT myself, how can marketers use ChatGPT? <laughs> and it, it says a, a variety of things. Um, one, I'll start with my favorite, which is research and analysis. So let me give you some examples. So I also asked ChatGPT, uh, give me a primer on how Gen Zers use healthcare in the U.S. And it spit back seven um, headlines of trends, which were right on par with the research I'd been doing around Gen Z and healthcare access. It was just more pithy and, and short and sweet than me, but kind of gave me a nice starting place and, and something to go gut check. Now, gut checking is really important. It also does a good job of having a kind of note at the bottom that's like almost a caveat, right? Do your own homework, <laughs> which I love. Um, there's also simple short and sweet things that it can do really well, like give me some best practices for display ads and it spit out 10 right away, which I think we're the things that I've seen in my decade of, you know, working in digital marketing. Um, hey, what's the specs of a Facebook carousel ad? So those are some examples of really simple ways to use it. Then there's more sophisticated, like we could think about leveraging ChatGPT and AI in general, generative AI for customer service, um, chatbots, making sure that we're having conversational conversations with, with uh, our users and audiences. Personalization is another good one. So leveraging data and trying to you know help us get closer to who our audiences are. And then yes, the most controversial, which is content creation and creative. So maybe I'll just put that one right there and we can loop back around to it. Yeah, around the data, and of course, Tyler, I'm sure you, you have thoughts around this. The first thing I thought of, especially with the chatbots, was that you know, uh, when you're going in for care or maybe you're doing a virtual um, care and being able to get more of that connection to the data that already exists on of you and your health records so that it can be more relatable and in conversation, like you had mentioned, Stephanie, and knowing that that's like, you know, the goals, the future routine goals, we're not, not quite there yet. Uh, but Tyler, what are your thoughts around the ability to use some of this and tying it to um, how we can better deliver care, um, maybe even as marketers when we're we're bringing in some of these chatbots or websites. I love it. I think that it honestly, you know, we as marketers and health systems as well, when you're taking a look from kind of our lens is revived. Um, you know, data, 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 data is always that one thing that you know we crave. But and way back when, you know, in, back in the day, we used to say, you know, whatever we could get our hands on as far as data to some form of personalized marketing to someone, you know, we strive for that. You know, I remember, you know, old school when Google Analytics first came out, people were you know, thriving and trying to figure out what that meant. You know, nowadays you take a look and every single platform seems to have a piece that has, you know, robust reporting to it. So we're kind of drinking from that fire hose of data. But I think that, you know, when we take a look from the standpoint of what we can do with that from a health system standpoint, we take a look at things like how do you take a look at a user's entire medical history and create a customized plan that the doctor can then leverage to provide the person so that you can really give them that care that they need. Conversely, how do we take a look at the data and use it to kind of create a holistic view of someone to give them the products and services that they really want and what they really truly need in a very busy day um, from a marketing standpoint. So I really think that there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, I think that it's 
we're being given a, a kind of a great resource per se to leverage. It's just going to come down to how do we feed it with data and how do we give it real access to data? Because we know a lot of times um, data within health systems can be in very disparate locations. So it's going to, I think that in the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of work to really kind of pull that together. So you have centralized hubs. And you mentioned the personalization and I imagine there's a lot of opportunity with even personalizing the messaging that we're um, putting out there. So from that content standpoint, that content creation standpoint, Stephanie, what are you, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What's, what's the future here? Sure. Well, to get to the future, maybe I'll start with where we are today. So AdAge published a pretty fun slash funny article uh, last week where AdAge had ChatGPT write Super Bowl commercials. So <laughs> what it came out with was kind of what you would expect, maybe a little bit better than what you would expect, um, but not to the level of you know the awesomeness that I hope to see on the Sunday big game. But it was, you know, kind of following the formula of your popular trending celebrity, your Jennifer Coolidge type, your humorous punchline, a little bit of ridiculousness, pretty short and sweet, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, um, not award winning. So, you know, I think we can say, whew, our jobs are safe, right? Um, <laughs> but but that's not necessarily the, you know, the full picture and the full way to think about it. I think from a purely a writing and ideation standpoint, I've used ChatGPT already as a starting place. Um, I think it's a really nice way to start generating ideas in its current state. Um, it can sometimes help you come up with maybe ideas you hadn't thought of, maybe language you hadn't considered. And then let's let's use our you know human emotion and passion and experience and skills to, to really create the thing. In the future, that might change, right? And I'm not saying it's it's the new creative, it's the new content creation, it's the new writing. That's not the point. The point is it is a tool that we will all use in the future to be smarter and better and more clever and better at our at our jobs and lives. Yeah, I love that idea of it being a, a thought starter. So not letting it stop you and using it thinking like, oh, it's going to replace you, but it's more um, like helping you get to ideas faster. Uh, or if you're feeling like you're kind of going through a bit of a creative slump or you know, you've got so much kind of in your mind or on your plate that you're not able to really hone in and focus. There's maybe something that you could, uh, because of the how the platform works, you know, you're informing it with information. It's also, of course, pulling uh, out as well, but maybe you're putting in a couple of keywords and you're like, hey, I almost said ask Siri, but um, you're like, hey, what do you think about... Um, I don't know, ways to reach people in this area or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Of course there's, I'm not a creative. Um, but that part is, is really, really interesting in that we can help shape that. It is. And let me loop back to the university example for a second. So there's a lot of conversation about what's the smart way to use this in, in schools. Some universities are banning it. Some are saying, some are saying here's ways to use it. So I'm, I'm, bringing myself back to like, you know, being in high school in a history class and oh my goodness, how many hours did you spend at that point going to the library or digging in your textbook, right? For all the facts and you just regurgitated the facts and tried to like move some words around so you weren't plagiarizing and turned into paper. Imagine a world where instead we use ChatGPT to get 
the facts and we have to fact check them. That's a really important note. Sometimes there is misinformation in there, but use it to understand the the story, like for history, for example. Now let's let's use our brains and our thinking caps to create the powerful angle and the story and analyze it and think about what does that mean for humanity? Wow, I would have been a smarter and better student if I had done that. So I think for advertising, sometimes our timelines are really fast. Maybe we can use it to get some initial thought starters on paper, and then we can sit back and we can go, what moves me? Why do I feel moved by this and not that? Let me pressure test this first. Let me do some more research. You know, I, I think it can help us go further um, as, a, as a human population. But again, I tend to be a little bit more Pollyanna about these kinds of things. You're like, bring the technology, put it into my body. I'm ready to be a robot and live forever and do all the things. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's so interesting to think about. Um, and also like shout out to like being in school and having to deal with an encyclopedia. Um, thanks, Microsoft uh, and Carta, that little CD-ROM. <laughs> but now it's like, yeah, it's actually like history and information that you can, that's like livable almost. And it reminds me of the way that I used to study for my history exams in college where, you know, you take the notes and like you're like you're going back and reviewing it. But a way that I used to study was I take a step back and almost just like tell the story as if like I'm telling like I'm sharing gossip or something. I'm like, OK, and here's what happened. Um, and like I love that idea of it being able to provide um, context and deeper context and how it relates to today. Um, you mentioned something about search earlier, earlier, and speaking of like Microsoft and Carta, uh, knowing that Microsoft has put a ton of money into this, do we see this as a potential, dare I say, Google challenger? Tyler, you want to start first? <laughs> Ooh, I feel like there were shots fired here. Um, I don't know. My, my initial thought is that it's going to be something larger than that that can transcend different applications outside of just the internet. However, I think it's got a chance. I, I do think it's got a chance and Microsoft has been, you know, ever since our friends at Internet Explorer left this dear world a couple of years ago, I think that they're looking for, you know, they're looking for that next, that next browser. So possibly. After they were trying to make Bing happen and that did not happen. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Stephanie? I love Tyler's answer. Tyler, I love your answer. So, so wise, insightful. And the truth is we don't know. Um, what it does make me think though is, you know, SEO is so important in marketing and so important for every organization, especially healthcare organizations. And part of what most healthcare organizations do is try to get the, get the facts out. You know, here's the symptoms to look for. Here's, so imagine if ChatGPT does become the future search, what does that do for SEO? Do we need to be pumping out every every hospital's pumping out the same facts, right? Every wellness influencer is pumping out the same, hopefully, nutrition information. <laughs> um, it just makes me think again. I go back to the power of the story, the power of the story, and that's what differentiates us and differentiates a brand. It. I'm totally theorizing, but it might make us all lean more into our own unique story as opposed to the standard. Hmm. That is interesting. 
I guess I can't help but think about the the implications of it as well. That information that's it's pulling from, that it's that's being pumped into it. And, you know, not to be the Debbie Downer here, but, you know, we're looking at the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly being misinformation that, you know, we're able to um, suss out some of that information that isn't quite correct. And like what you mentioned about the fact that do all health hospitals and health systems need to like coordinate what their messaging is? And so we're not contradicting one another. Or of course, there's going to be new research that comes out, especially from the academic medical centers. Uh, but, you know, how do we combat that misinformation and how do we set up some um, some safety nets around that? So, for example, we saw with um, their Stack Overflow, which is a form for programming related questions, you know, people like Tyler who are in the back ends of um, some of this technology. But essentially, they have uh, already started to ban users from posting answers created by ChatGPT uh, because of some of the low rates of accuracy. So those are the things that we're going to need to you know, continue to stay cognizant of and just, you know, just continue to do our, do our due diligence, do our Googles, uh, if you will, uh, to make sure that the information that we are um, pulling out and that we're sharing from that is accurate. Um, Because the conversation around this is bias has already been had uh, in the sense that, you know, where there is bias that already exists, it's just going to continue to be expounded upon with this work. Because, uh, yeah, artificial intelligence is hopelessly and inherently biased. Uh, so whatever is being pulled out and that knowing that some of the data that is historical data that has bias embedded in it is just going to continue to perpetuate. Um, so these are just come a couple of the implica- implications that we'll need to be paying attention to uh, here around what what this is going to be. It's mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> It really is, but I'm 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 like you. I'm I'm excited about the possibility. Um, I've tried to use it myself for a couple of things, but I don't think I was quite as strategic as I should be. Um, so let's chat a little bit about like you know strategies for using this. Like, is can it be the new brief? You know, where we're um, starting to put in or pull out some of the information we want that can generate the ideas. Any thoughts around that? I have a couple. I'm sure, Tyler, you have um, smart thoughts. Um, I've started to see like job titles start to slowly come out or or quickly come out. I should say this thing is really new. (laughs) Um, Prompt engineer starting to become a skill set. It it is a skill set. It's it's a burgeoning skill set to know how to write strong prompts. And I'm seeing all over my LinkedIn feed guidance for that. And yes, as I love, I love that, you know, idea of if we have long created creative briefs and projects briefs and all the briefs, what does a chat GPT brief look like? And how do we make sure that it's not garbage in garbage out, which is as true for bots as it is for humans. So that is absolutely a key. And that's where I go back to, you know, teaching and training is how can we all learn how to do that and learn how to use it? And I I believe six months, a year from now, we're going to see new iterations that are not what it looks like today. And we'll have to relearn again and relearn again and relearn again. And that's part of the fun. Yeah, just jumping in and adding on from what the great thing Stephanie was saying, you know, I think that, and Des, you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's you kind of have to check yourself no matter what you're looking at on the internet, no matter, you know, I remember, you know, way back when, when we were all running Netscape Navigator and trying to figure out, you know, what this internet was, you know, you had to really 
you know, a lot of us took things for face value thinking, oh, it's on the internet, so it must be true. Well, you know, 20 some odd years later, let's look at it and re be real. Um, you know, I think that with anything, we can't just walk into it and decide, okay, whatever, whatever an AI gives us, it's got to be, you know, fact and gospel. And it's, it's what we're, you know, what we believe. We have to kind of look at it with, you know, look at it and kind of check ourselves to make sure, um, you know, we're, we're right at the end of the day. Uh, I think that also what we'll, we'll probably see is, and I would love to see it when we're looking at these new job descriptions, Stephanie, kind of what you were saying earlier is, I have a feeling that we'll see a lot of people with psychology degrees getting in on the AI world. I think that you're going to see, you're going to find that the uniqueness of what a psychology degree or even a psychologist, a licensed psychologist in general can provide to help guide an AI to learn, I think is what we may see. Um, something that we've probably never seen in the, at least in the marketing world before. So I'm excited to see what comes up. Oh, snap, Tyler, another way to think about this and how we can just better make sure that this um, connects to the human experience. Um, you know, when you mentioned the job descriptions and some of these things that are like, oh, yeah, the, the AI prompt and all that, it, it reminds me of when social media first came out. And that essentially, you know, it was just some something that we were uh, killing time in between classes uh, and posting our updates and really terrible song lyrics because um, we were feeling very emo that day. Um, but the way that social media has taken off as a career, as content creators, as uh, strategists, as social media managers, that you know, when, when you were first that, uh, maybe that young person at your organization or agency, and you're like, hey, we should really consider this thing. And they're like, what are you talking about? But then here we are some almost 20 years later, and it's dominating the things. So the future of careers in AI, AI prompting. Des, there's so many parents. I love that. But, but, well, first of all, story of my life, like I being like the girl in the corner that was like, here's some social posts, you know, and people are like, okay, who cares? We're writing a TV spot, <laughs> you know, and being able to see the trajectory has been um awesome. But to your point, I think I'll just, I, at least what I see, there is a little bit of eye rolling around chat GPT and AI and all things new tech right now. And there's a little bit of like, I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's maybe just Maybe I'm looking at it with my rose-colored glasses, purely, right? And 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 we mentioned all the challenges. We mentioned, you know, all the difficulties we're going to have to watch out for, misinformation. Those are important to consider, too. However, it will evolve. And so I guess my rally cry is, let's make sure that we're the ones, we collectively are the ones evolving it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Things do evolve. They change. They do get better. You know, whenever, think about whenever you download that first, um, iOS update on your, your MacBook or on your phone. And it's like all the bugs and you're like, I hate my life because all of these things are fixed, but eventually they get fixed or you get so used to the platform. Like whenever someone would complain about the Facebook platform changing or the, um, the skin of it, it, after a while, you get used to it, or you learn how to manage and figure it out for yourself. Um, yeah, it's almost like there's hesitancy, and yeah, there's implications, but why not just start to dig in and and see what's possible, and even try to get around um, some of the obstacles and implications that have that have come about. 
you know, the one thing that I love is that this is open to the internet for us to try it out. So I think the, the sky's the limit as far as what we want to do with it. I think the testing is only begin, beginning. Um, I will say, just going back to what you were talking about briefly earlier, you know, the National Bureau of Economic Research had a paper in talking about, and when we talk about adoption of, of artificial intelligence, um, you know, they were estimating that the wider use of artificial intelligence could lead to a, a five to ten percent savings in U.S. healthcare spend by the use of it. That's roughly two hundred to three hundred sixty billion dollars. So, I think it's only a matter of time before you know an example is made of how it's used, and then I think the floodgates open for adoption. Um, you know, to me, it seems like people are just primed and waiting. It just needs to have someone take that first leap to try it out in a large scale project and really show the world what it could be used for. Why is that, Tyler? What what is driving that reduction in spend? Um, it, it's predominantly efficiencies. I mean, it, it's understanding and, and providing efficiencies and things that may be um, typically a lot of, um, you know, potential churn, a lot of wasted time and whatnot. You know, auto, automation, I think, is the big key here. Um, you know, automation processes, automation, automating different types of things. You know, if you think about it, if you could have a virtual assistant um, to a doctor that can help um, pull charts, labs, everything together to then write that script for them that the doctor just has to approve, think about, about how much time and savings that could be. Yeah, so I think that scheduling. That's the mm-hmm. My first, I have to, I have to schedule a whole situation of tests coming up soon. And as we all know, it's like, I've already had three conversations about it. I have to call a phone number. I have to schedule something at a clinic. I mean, (laughs) what can some, can a virtual bot just do this all for me? Thank you very much. Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. And along those lines, just from the patient experience, um, you know, I was reading um, something around the accessibility around uh, communication um, disabilities that may exist and that, you could put in this, like, let's say you get this very um, key terms and jargony and tech words um, and piece of information, especially like if you've gone to your doctor and you get this long um, uh, list of things that you can't quite understand or decipher or, or understand how you can apply that to your life. Could you then drop some of that into the chat GPT to then help explain, you know, put it more into general terms um, for the, you know, everyday consumer to understand like, oh, this is what this means. Or even if you're doing your own research for, um, you know, something that ails you and you run across like some, because I always find like medical journals and that information, but I'm like, I have no idea what any of that means. But could we then also apply that into chat GPT to to help with health literacy uh, and just better understanding of um, our health and, and medical and and all of that good stuff. For me, in my own personal, that would be the greatest thing of all time. I mean, can you imagine how many times you go and look at something that a doctor talks about in a very medical term, and you have to go home and try and Google it and try and remember how many consonants and vowels and whatnot were in the spelling of it to begin with? I mean, to be able to have an artificial intelligence, have a doctor say something to an artificial intelligence, have it translate to something that you and I might know in layman's terms, that would be phenomenal. Um, I think going back to your SEO comment earlier, that may transform how SEO is done. If a chatbot can translate that for it, for us, that may be you know kind of a game changer. So, 
And even taking that to the next step, Tyler, and from a marketing standpoint, um, you know, looking at your content marketing and applying that to, you know, what information you're putting out there, putting in it more of a, some general terms to help um, just get the information out to the patients in, in a way that they need, um, you know, maybe even bypassing some of these programs uh, and sites like a, uh, you know, the ones you always search for and it's like, oh, all of these roads lead to, I have cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if you are actually able to get um, true information that really helps you hone in on what some of your health needs are? Yeah. You know, I've tried it in that way, like inputted symptoms and it is better than like WebMD's experience, at least in my, in my experience so far. It, what what I what I think is better about it is WebMD or other of those sites tend to give you a really long list. And ChatGPT, at least when I've used it, has given a much shorter list and a more concise list and a more focused list. And it does give you the caveats, you know, please don't attempt to diagnose yourself. You need to call a doctor. <laughs> um, so that could be scary, depending on how you look at it. But if it's passing a medical exam, my thought is what healthcare organization or groups of organizations could get together and say, what if we could train this thing? What if we could train this thing to be accurate, to be usable, to be used in the right way? How Then it gets really interesting instead of just letting things run wild. Yeah. So I know we could keep talking about this for a couple more hours even. Um, But essentially, you know, what is one thing that we want um, folks and listeners to take away from, you know, what this technology brings to the forefront um, when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to marketing or what have you? What is, what is something that we feel we want folks to take away from this? So for me, I think my call to action would be learn. Now is the time. Try it. The best way to understand ChatGPT is to log in and use it point blank. Now, let's level up. If you want to think about generative AI, AI in general, even machine learning in general, topics get pretty broad. There are so many learning opportunities. There are certifications from MIT and Cornell if you've got the money to blow. If you don't, <laughs> there's LinkedIn Learning. There's, you know, Coursera um, has a very popular course. It's open to everybody from Stanford. If you want to get really nerdy and get into the details of coding, Google has a free AI you know, learning uh, ability. You can go down a rabbit hole just collecting, you know, the courses to do one day or you just start, right? So again, just log into ChatGPT, give it a try and yeah, read all the books. Look at all the things. <laughs> that's that's my call to action. Tyler, what, what would you say? Uh, I'm 100% with you. I think learning is the best way to do it and there's nothing better than just trying it itself. Um, I think going in and Create a little case case for yourself. Say, I want to I want to learn this and see if I can do that. So, kind of create your own scientific method, if you will. Um, you know, just ask you questions and, and go from there. Um, you know, I think that there's there's a lot. It's still learning, so it's not perfect. But I think that getting the fundamentals and understanding of how it works is no better way than trying it out. So, I'm 100 with Stephanie. All right, that's our t- that's our take. You know, embrace it. You know, don't be hesitant, you know, don't shy away from it, feeling like it's going to, you know, take over 
all of our jobs. It's just going to be more of uh, look at it from a standpoint of it. It's going to enhance or speed up even the work that we're, do, we're doing. So with that, we will wrap the show. Um, thank you, Stephanie, Tyler, for being on the show and talking about all the things ChatGPT. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, Stephanie. For all of you listening, thank you so much for joining in. If there's something you want us to cover, shoot us an email at nonormal at reviveagency.com. And make sure you share the show with your friends and colleagues, and especially if the the topic is something you all have been ruminating about. Uh, And give us a review and rating on iTunes, preferably five stars. All of that would be appreciated. And until next time, don't ever be satisfied with no normal. Push that no normal, y'all. We'll see you next time. Three.